Good evening, everyone, and we can welcome to this week's 7th edition of the Coach McVay Show, late night style. Thank you for sticking with us after playoff baseball here on ESPN LA 710. The Rams are the NFL's last undefeated team, and now they go take on division rival San Francisco. With DeMarco Fari, Super Bowl champion, I am JB Long, joined by the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams at 6-0. Head coach Sean McVay. How are you, Sean? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Interesting how every week presents a different challenge in this league. Not only the Denver Broncos, but the conditions that you saw at Mile High. Your group handled it really well. They did, you know, and, and I thought, you know, we talked about it all week. You know, it was, you know, they lived there, but really they hadn't played in it since last year either. So, you know, it was something that was going to be new to both clubs. I thought by the time kickoff started, really, it wasn't a factor at all. You know, it didn't affect any of our play calling decisions. Didn't seem like it affect offenses or defense. Uh, it got a little bit more chilly as the game went on just affected my hands but uh, I thought uh, really the, the players did a nice job handling it and not letting it be a factor for us speaking of gloves or cold hands gloved golf uh, we don't see that often with yep. Jared Goff wearing gloves was that a big deal for him you know, really, I think it's just whatever he was most comfortable with and whatever the decision that he made, you just go forward with it and then you try not to think about it. But, um, you know, I think he'd be better accustomed to be able to answer that. He was something that when I came out for warm-ups, he had thrown around with it. He felt more comfortable. He felt like the ball was coming out of his hand nice. And, um, you know, that was the decision that he made. You know, whether that comes up again, really the only atmosphere when you're looking at a regular season schedule that there's going to be some, you know, a game where it's going to be cold again is, is going to be the Chicago game. And um, I think that's really more, most importantly what he's most most comfortable with. We've all been there, but I thought he never lost his poise. No yeah, matter what no, was going he, on, he right? really, and then and that's consistent with him throughout. That's something that he's demonstrated over the last couple of years since we've been with him as a coaching staff, Demarco, and I think really just his ability to to manage the situation, no matter what comes up, not let previous plays, whether it be good or bad, affect the way that he responds. But he's always learning in the right way. Says as much about him as anything, and, and that mental toughness, that poise that he demonstrates when it's coming from your quarterback is huge for us. Seemed like fitting the run was going to be a dominant storyline for each team. With the Broncos struggling in New York, wasn't your best showing in Seattle, uh, tackling the running game of the Seahawks. Uh, and uh, the obvious storyline is to start with Todd Gurley in his career high. But can we start on defense and what your group did to stay gap sound and to shut down one of the best rushing attacks in the National Football League? I think they did a great job. You know, I thought the early down success that we had to get him into some of those second and longs and then some good third down situations was instrumental, really, for the way that we played all day. You know, you talk about getting the you know one of the top rushing offenses, holding them to 60 yards. I thought we hit blocks well up front. I thought we were playing sound. Uh, guys were swarming to the football. And, and really, you know, I thought you saw those big guys up front, you know, Brockers and Aaron Donald showed up in a big way, uh, made plays, and I thought our safeties were very active in the run game. Corey Littleton continues to show up week in and week out at that Mike linebacker spot, and, and it was really you know important, and, and I thought it was instrumental in getting us into good third down situations where you end up making them go three for ten, and, and that was a great job by our defense yesterday. You know, players-only meetings, been in a bunch of them. I like them when they're about the right stuff. It seems like this one was about the right stuff on defense. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk with the players only meeting. Yeah, yeah. What, I, I didn't know they had oh, players. Oh, only never meeting. mind then. Yeah, well, I mean, just secret. getting together as a yeah. defense. And get and, and making the commitment to get better. On yeah, Sunday. you know yeah. what I think, and those things, those are the things that go on behind closed doors, Demarco. Mm. That I think are things that we're not even exposed to as coaches. That when you've got the right guys that are talking, that are you know demonstrating the right kind of things that are important and and really conducive for us getting what we want out of those meetings, uh, that's great. And we talk about the ownership that our mm. players have all the time, and we've got a lot of guys that demonstrate doing what's right consistently on a day to day basis. I think everybody's in the going in the same direction, and you know clearly our defense. 
defense did an excellent job stepping up in a big way and making a lot of plays that you know affected the outcome in a positive way for us. Sue's going to kill me. See, <laughs> no, that's see, but, but see, I, that doesn't bother me at all. You know, that, that yeah. those are the things that are I think are great. You know, what those guys do. You know, it, you know, in our when we're not around, I think is really powerful. And mm-hmm. when you trust the fact that you've got the right guys that are running those types of meetings or things like that, those are things that I think is so much more powerful than a lot of the times what we say as coaches and. Um, and that's what you appreciate about the locker room, the sanity, the, you know, some of the things that go on, you know, away from what we even see. And, and that's why you feel really good about our players' leadership. This is the Coach McVeigh Show from Cal Lutheran here in Thousand Oaks, previewing the Week 7 contest against the San Francisco 49ers and coming off a win in Denver, in which Todd Gurley rushed 28 times for 208, setting a new career high. Uh, Sean, he's got 11 touchdowns this season, the most through six games in the NFL since Sean Alexander's MVP season of wow. 2005. Uh, what can you say this week about your talented tailback? He continues to just, you know, really, you never take it for granted, but this is kind of, you know, the, the level of appreciation we have for Todd, and, and he's playing like we expect him to, and, and it certainly is something that um, is instrumental in, in what we were able to do yesterday. I thought the offensive line, like he said, you know, did an excellent job creating some space. Guys blocking without the ball. You talk about the receivers, the tight ends contribution. Jared getting us in and out of the right runs, but Todd's excellent. He's a special, special player, and his ability to run, his ability to work edges on people, finish violently downhill, uh, um, you look at what he's doing without the ball as well. The pickup that he had on a third down conversion that we got to Robert Woods when Stewart comes through the front side A-gap. Those are the things that really, to me, separate Todd from anyone else. And he can do it all. Uh, you want to get him the ball as many ways as possible. But, but you know, just his football IQ, his understanding matched up with the special person, the special ability. It's a, it's a really it's a unique combination, and we're very fortunate to have him. And, and he did a great job kind of carrying us yesterday. That was one of the questions I had. How is Todd? Because lost in the euphoria of record-breaking performances out of running backs is a lot of violent hits. Yep. How is he today? I think he feels good. You know, Todd would be able to tell you better than, than I would, but – you know, Todd's just kind of so even keeled and, and really unfazed by it where I think he expects to do that. And he understands that, all right, some of the structures that they were playing were a little bit uh, more friendly for some of the run game, different things. And, and he understands defensive structures, what we're trying to get done. And, you know, I thought he pressed his blocks one gap at a time. I thought he saw the field excellent yesterday. And, and I thought he got the ball where it was supposed to get. And, and you know, it, it's a real credit to him, but but really all 11 on offense and, and you know, he was the first thing. That was one of the first things you hear him say, and that's what you appreciate is is the appreciation he has for his teammates. But I think they also would all tell you we feel really fortunate to be blocking for Todd as well. Saw some Malcolm Brown in there as well, cool. and I know we're going to talk some game management tonight. But what about season management? You sit at six and zero. You have an MVP candidate at quarterback and at tailback, but kind of playing the long game with Todd. He's among the NFL's leaders in touches. How cognizant of that are you kind of going through the season? Yeah, we are, and that's something that we talk about, you know, all the time. You know, we we keep a singular focus on on – that one week at a time and I think there's instances where Todd knows and Skip does an excellent job spelling those guys but when he's in the flow of a game if he's feeling good you know we, we trust his judgment and like in Seattle last week typically you're you're ready to spell him but he didn't want to come out of that game and yesterday was kind of similar in terms of his feel but Malcolm got in there and that's what you appreciate so much about Malcolm Brown is that as special as Todd is you got a guy that you can step in and, and you feel every bit as confident in terms of being able to operate as normal uh, knowing that Malcolm is reliable he's steady he does exactly what he's supposed to do and good football players like Malcolm Brown you win with guys like that and we really use him as a great example of you know even though he's not that starter like Todd is 
when he comes in, the way that he plays and always produces is something that for those guys that get a chance to step up, whether it's an, you know somebody getting injured or, or stepping in and, and sub- supplementing some of the guys that are playing a lot of snaps, this is what it looks like, and make sure you're ready for your op like Malcolm always is. Next couple opponents for the Los Angeles Rams playing tonight. They're keeping an eye on the Packers and the 49ers. We'll have a preview of San Francisco before we're done. We'll also have your audible segment with your questions directly to the head coach. We'll go through some of the bigger calls, the decisions in the game that was against the Denver Broncos in our next segment as the Coach McVay Show continues on ESPN LA 710. And under head coach Sean McVay, the Rams improved to 11-1 away from the Coliseum in parts of two years, 7-0 against the AFC, coming off a win over the Broncos. Now they have a division game against the 49ers. Welcome back to the Coach McVay Show, Week 7 edition. DeMarco and JB with the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, Let's go through our weekly injury roll call, and thankfully for your Rams, mostly good news when it comes to uh, coming off that game. Yeah, you know, with Cooper Cup, just got a little knee sprain right there. Not a little knee sprain. I mean, that that looks really bad. And, you know, the type of competitor, how tough he is, when you see that first happen and you go over there and you just the initial reaction, you're just thinking the worst. And, you know, he's going to miss some time. You know, how long that is, it's going to be week to week. I would be very surprised if he was available against the 49ers. Uh, But thank goodness, you know, it's not going to be something that's season-ending or or requiring any surgery. And for Cooper, I know he was relieved, but he's such a tough player. You know, he was sore today, and he came back in. I mean, you talk about a guy that's a tough competitor that wants to do everything he can to be out there. I mean, he comes back in and plays that first drive of the second half, and you know, really, we've got to say, Coop, all right, this isn't the time to be a hero. Let's 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 get yourself out and be smart here. But he's, you know, you got to do everything he can to keep him off that field. But he's going to be okay. Uh, just when he we get him back, don't know yet. Uh, Roger Saffold, another elite, tough competitor, got his knee pretty good as far as just getting it wrenched. But you know, it was a sprain, and he's been fighting through some different things. And and he's a tough competitor that we expect to be ready to go again as well. Uh, this week, but you know those are t- those are tough injuries with those guys getting banged up, and then Brock got his uh, AC on his shoulder. Um, he'll be he'll be good to go though for this this following week. And then Matt Longacre, he's had those back issues in the past, had some back spasms, made an impact early in the game, and was never able to return. But we anticipate him being a- available to go. So so that's positive news, like you said. But anytime you lose a player like Cooper Cup, what a huge loss that is, and guys are going to be required to step up for sure. Next man up. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, it is. Most adversity you faced along the O-line this season or this past two seasons for you. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think, you know, really losing whip for a couple plays. Joe Noteboom did a nice job stepping in and, and you know, being a part of some key conversions. Um, and then, you know, Jamon Brown, fortunately for us, because of what Austin Blythe has done, you know, you've really got another starting caliber player that's available and up and ready to roll if need be. And he came in, did a nice job at right guard and another credit to Austin's versatility to be able to move to the left side. And, and he made some big, big time blocks at the point of attack on that last drive to be able to get us to you know a 10-point lead that ended up really being the, the game-winning field goal that, that Cairo ended up hitting from that drive. As much as you love your three-receiver sets, we've seen it almost exclusively this year. Are you okay going a week or two without Cooper Cup, or do you feel like you need to make a move to bolster that group going think, to San Francisco? Yeah, you know, I think really we've got confidence in Cadero and Josh to be able to step up, and, and then, you know, obviously with Brandon and, and Robert being ready to go, but I think if you do want to still operate out of those personnel groupings, which which we do like, um, you know, you might see us make a move to acquire somebody. Um, we've got somebody in mind, but until that really goes through, uh, don't want to say anything because sometimes 
sometimes you, you have a tendency to say things fall through and then you know you don't want to sure. put anybody in a tough spot but if if that's the case then and then we would like to get another guy in here and then how that affects and alters some of the other decisions with regards to our 53 uh we'll, we'll kind of figure that out tomorrow and then any chance of seeing greg Zerline going into week seven there is a chance there's a real good chance um you know he's going to have a workout we were going to try to do something today but um, you know, we'll, we'll monitor him a, a couple days from now. And, and if he feels good and he's continuing to progress in the right direction, I think there's a very good chance that he'll be available for the game against the Niners. I assume you grew up loving football, like really loving this game. Yes. I had a blast watching Witt and Von Miller go at it. Yeah. That was a master class in pass protection and pass rushing. That yeah. was awesome to watch. He did a great job, you know, and so did Rob, you know, because what they were doing with Vaughn is they put him to the open edge every snap yesterday. So wherever we set the tight end, they were putting him away, and that was almost what it what we felt like it was was, you know, it was their similar way. They played a little bit more six technique to the closed edge where they put Chubb in that position where he's playing the C gap in a lot of the instances, especially in the early downs. And then, you know, really when you look at them when they're in their base defensive structure, when they're going against the 21 and the 12 personnels, Chubb goes to the strong side and, and Vaughn as their will linebacker and their base defense goes to the open edge. And we felt like because we are so heavy 11 personnel, that was their way of creating some of their base structures with their nickel defense in their front. And um, that was that was something that they hadn't done. You know, Vaughn had moved around a little bit, but p- predominantly in the nickel structures, he had been on our right side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was going to the open edge yesterday and, and that was predicated on where we were setting our tight end. Goff had only been sacked six times coming in five times yesterday. Are each one of those plays their own distinct entity, or did you see common themes in terms of pass rush and pass protection? Yeah, yesterday? you know, I don't want to take away anything that those guys did. They did a great job being able to get five sacks. But, I, you know, I think naturally the tendency is to, to immediately the O-line's responsible, and I really don't think they were responsible for any of those. And each each play does have its own, you know, story and, and, and sequence to it. And really we had the one play action where Chubb does a nice job rushing. Uh, we had a tight end. That's not a really good match. That's not smart on my part. The one two-minute play to start out that two-minute at the end of the half, they ended up getting a sack and a longer developing. They play a split safety match coverage. Uh, again, I, I, I think that's on me, you know, where you're not giving them good plays that have answers. And then, you know, really the other three, I thought they made a nice – they had a good one on the third down, you know, before the two-minute where it was an excellent rush. Jared's kind of stepping up, finding some, trying to find somebody, and they end up making a nice play. And then we had the two on our 19, whereas the third down and three, Jared's trying to be smart with the football right there, quick game, and they kind of got there. We scrambled, and they ended up – getting to him and making a nice play that got us you know a 10 yard loss and then I called a bootleg in a situation again on the 19 after a first down efficient run uh, Jared's thinking to try to be smart there to conserve take time re- really off the clock as opposed to an incompletion and those are the things that we work through but uh, they made the plays uh, we've got to be better I've got to be better most importantly for our players and put them in better spots but I don't think it was a result of our offensive line is basically the point that I'm making, and and those are things that I'm mad at myself because I thought I put our offense in bad spots that led to them getting sacks, but then not to take away from the credit that Denver deserved for making those plays. Moving forward, Sean, because you're so critical of yourself, is it just a matter of being better personally, as you might describe it? Or or would you like or would you encourage an external force to say, hey, in this situation, someone upstairs, please remind me X, Y, or Z? No, you know what? I don't think so. We've got great dialogue with our offensive staff throughout the course of the game, and it's really more of a a situational flow and feel for the game, uh, where 
we're at, when we're in scoring position, if you're playing with a with a you know a touchdown lead or whatever that might be. I just think there were some sequences where I could have been a little bit smarter. Now we're going to be aggressive all the time, and I'm never going to apologize for that. That's what we believe in. That's how we want to attack, and and we want to do it in a smart way. But at the end of the day, when you're playing, especially towards the latter half of the game, fourth quarter, playing with the lead, the way that the defense was playing, especially those are the things that. I expect to have a better feel for the flow of the game. And we talk about playing complementary football. And I thought in some of those instances, I could have done a much better job of some of the play selections with regards to what is the potential outcome right here and how can I put our guys in good spots. And what I appreciate so much about our players is they'd be the first to tell you too, well, they can do a good job of, of finding a solution within the framework of the play. And that's the give and take. And I think that's the appreciation that we all have collectively working towards being the best that we can be within the framework framework of our roles and that's what we want to do it's funny you and your players you guys only remember the bad the good is what you're supposed oh, to do i remember the good i remember <laughs> you really? the good. Okay. Trust me. i remember a lot of the good like it's if a, i said great game you would say what i would say hey thanks to marco I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> we'll take our break here but when we come back robert woods has done something that a rams receiver hasn't done in 18 years we'll discuss the season that he's having plus audible still ahead your questions directly to the head coach as we anticipate a week seven showdown with the san francisco 49ers you're listening to the coach mcveigh show on espn la 710 well why don't we start right there with that highlight fourth and three end of the half the broncos at your 39 sean mcveigh they opt to go for it wade sends the blitz and lamarcus joiner gets the sack yeah it does a great job you could see the urgency coming off the edge right there he spin moves right into it and ends up doing a great job you know I thought LaMarcus overall yesterday was outstanding uh did a great job playing his responsibilities when he had his playoffs he made those opportunities count uh you could just feel the range you could feel the play energy and and LaMarcus was one of those guys that was well deserving of a game ball and uh made the most of his opportunity when Wade sent him yesterday when they're clearly going at a guy it it, it could be and you do this too on the other side when you're going at a certain guy it's you kind of have to accept it as a player and not wonder why they're doing it and get down on yourself. I didn't see Troy get down on himself at all. No. Troy Hill. Yeah, and I, and and I think that says as much about any about him as a competitor as anything is that in this league, you know, from playing Demarco, there's there's great players on both sides, week in and week out. And when you get those fifty fifty ball opportunities, especially against some of those bigger receivers like they have, uh, you know, Case made some good throws and they went up and got it. But I thought overall, Troy didn't let that affect his demeanor, the way that he continued to compete. We talk about that all the time, and. Um, you know, really, even you look at the one to Emmanuel Sanders, it ends up leading to them being on the 16-yard line. We get off the field and leads to a field goal. So Troy's played really good football for us since we've been here as a coaching staff. Uh, I think when you talk about guys going up and making plays, you see him make those types of plays the week before against Seattle, and um, that's just one of those deals where you can appreciate the give and take in the NFL. It's one thing if he's not playing the techniques, the fundamentals. It's another thing when guys are making a, a couple contested type plays and and they come down with it and. And that's where you don't let it affect your confidence. You continue to compete, uh, eyes up, positive mindset and mentality moving forward, and that's what Troy did. I, I said, look, if they went away from you the entire game, you'd be bored, right? You, you want go. the action, right? You <laughs> want right. it coming to you. That's right. <laughs> He's DeMarco Farr, Super Bowl champion with the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, I tease going into that break of what Robert Woods is doing, five straight games, 80-plus receiving yards, and that's not even to touch on what he's doing competing in the in the running game and rooting out defenders. But not since Isaac Bruce in 2000 has that uh, happened for a Rams receiver. And, Sean, this offseason I thought you had a unique challenge for Robert about competing for contested catches and maybe that next evolution of his game.
game, it certainly looks like he's taken that. Yeah, really. We as a coaching staff, you know, because he played such a – he did a, a great job last year, and we just talked about what are some of the key things that, that we can do to, to try to help him improve as a player and really take that next step from being a really good player to giving yourself a chance to play great football week in and week out. And he's done that. We talked about aggressive hands and attacking the ball at the point of attack. You know, there's certain times when it is smart in traffic to body it, but I think just the overall attention to detail with the way that he is physically attacking the ball, running through it where there's no wasted motion. You know, a lot of times guys have a tendency to leave their feet or body catch things when it can be a catch transition and you're immediately up the field. Um, I think there's been a lot of instances where he's done an excellent job of getting extra yards. Third down last week in Seattle. Yesterday there was a handful of plays where it's a front pad throw, great location by Jared. He's snatching it and getting vertical immediately. So uh, Robert is is really, you know, he has been outstanding. And you talk about the way that he comes to work every single day with a consistent approach of working hard, being coachable, being detail-oriented. He knows where to play. He can play any spot. And when we've had Cooper go out the last two weeks for him to come in and play the way that he has at both the Z and the F spot for us um, is is something that's really special. And then you look at some of the blocks he's making in the run game he, and some of the plays he's making as a runner when he's taking jet sweeps. He's doing it all for us, and he has been uh, – Mr. Reliable, Mr. Dependable, and one of the most important players, no doubt about it, especially these last couple weeks. And yet it's Johnny Hecker who has the catch of the game that's making that's right, the rounds man. on social yeah, media. Yeah, check his Twitter out, right? You know, we, that's what we said. He's got three punts. He, he put them all inside the 20, which was the best play that he made. One of those three punts or the snag that he made on the sideline. I told him if he got hurt, if he hurt his knee jumping up to do that, I'd kill him. Wow. Wow. Just Robert Woods, you can tell, like, all your receivers, when they try to make the catch in tough areas – there's a lot of trust there. Yep. They know that Jared's not going to hang them out or I need to go get this football. Yeah, and I think it goes both ways. I think Jared, you know, he trusts those guys to be where they're supposed to be so that he can let it go with some anticipation, timing, and rhythm. And those guys trust Jared to not throw him in the bad spots if the coverage doesn't dictate that. And, you know, and that, and that's the rapport that we talk about all the time. And, and they definitely have a great rapport. And, and Jared's doing an excellent job. And, and those guys are being where they're supposed to be. And, and Robert has been, you know, consistent as it gets. And, and he's been outstanding. I want to touch on one more individual effort, and that, of course, Aaron Donald. We asked the question yesterday out loud to ourselves. I won't make you ask it. Like, what percentage of holding penalties that he draws actually get flagged? It's pretty low. It's lower than it should be. Um, but once again, he kind of takes the field in that cold-weather environment, and it looks like it's his natural habitat, the pit native, right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it affected him, and he shows up every single week. And you talk about an elite competitor, brings it every single day, the way that he approaches it, he, again, is one of those guys that's what's right about our building. And he's a special talent. He's a special player, special person, you know, all those things. And, and yeah, I agree with you. There's a, a lot of holdings that aren't getting called that should be. Um, but uh, if they flagged him every single play, we'd have the, the pace of play would be a little slow. <laughs> I told him that. I said, look, if they called holding on every single play where it's a hold, it'd be a five-hour game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it I mean, he's low. that dominant right now. No, he's doing a great job, DeMarco. And he's showing up in a variety of ways I thought he was outstanding I thought he was one of the guys that really showed up in terms of being able to play the run really uh, well as a defensive unit and then you know he wasn't going to leave no doubt on some of those where he's closing in on case where case did a great job in Minnesota last year creating some off schedule stuff with his legs that was a big point of emphasis for us as well this week and uh, he finished uh, and, he, and he was getting there in a hurry I loved it and big 90 showed up he sure Michael did Brockers yeah Brockers did I thought his uh, you know his ability to play with his hands you could just see the violence his ability to fall back on some runs that cut back where he's really taking responsibility for two gaps in a lot of those instances and that looked like the Michael Brockers that we know and I thought uh, the expectations, the standards we have for him, he did some good stuff against Seattle but I know he'd be the first 
to tell you that he could play better. And what I love the most about what he did is he responded in, in, a, in a big way that was uh, really important for our defense, and, and he did a great job yesterday. Uh, one final question for you in this segment, and that would have to do with Aqib Tlaib, who was not going to miss that road trip yep. back to Denver. You could tell he was really excited to be there. Probably too soon to say what kind of physical update do we have on him, but just how is he doing you know, with this injury in terms of getting ready to play later he, this he's season? He's doing great. I think you know, he's putting himself in the mindset and mentality of he's going to be back sooner than later, and really you know, what exactly that date is, I, I you can't say yet, but he stayed engaged. He's involved in the meetings, uh, you know, continuing to, to lead in the way that he can right now within the framework of that injury and having him there his presence was felt he's got just such a good positive vibe and, and good juice about himself that it, it just kind of just uplifts everybody that's around him and you can even see just watching I always can appreciate when guys go back you know you talk about the level of respect that those teammates in Denver also add for him watching how excited they get you know the respect and appreciation they have for for both Akeeb and Wade you know those are the kind of things that you know you realize you're fortunate to be working and, and doing it with those guys because people that have been around them share the same respect and admiration that we do for those guys here. All right, Audibles is next, including some hard-hitting questions like, why doesn't Sean McVay ever wear a hat? <laughs> yep. We'll tackle that one on the other side in a preview of the 49ers. Before we're done on this week's 7 edition of the Coach McVay Show from Thousand Oaks, you're listening to ESPN LA 710. Oh, glad you're with us tonight for this Coach McVay Show. Looking forward to a trip to San Francisco, the third of three consecutive road trips for the Rams. They're at 6-0 on their season. The 49ers in Green Bay for Monday Night Football. We continue from the Rams facility, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams. This segment we call Audibles, and we tease this question, why doesn't Coach McVay wear a hat? It comes from Megan Correa. She says she's always wondered. Uh, Sean, I guess if you're not going to wear it in the weather that we had this weekend, it's just not going to happen. Can't right? mess the hair up, you yeah. know. I, I don't want to do that. And the only time you'll ever see me in a hat is if I need a haircut and my hair's too long. But I did consider wearing the beanie yesterday. Uh, but I, I didn't put that on just because, you know, my ears weren't too cold. But if it, if it was a little bit colder, you would have seen me maybe in a hat. But yesterday wasn't quite chilly enough. Flash forward to Chicago later in the season, you might see me in a hat. All right, something to watch for. Nice. You were wearing it in the meantime <laughs> and everything else you could get your Man, hands on. bundle yeah. up. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, Stu has our next question. Uh, he really appreciates how accountable you are publicly uh, for how this team goes. He says, in this day and age of pointing blame, not just in football but in everyday life, he finds it refreshing. Is there a coach in your past that was like this or maybe someone from your upbringing, your family, who instilled that in you? Yeah, no, well, that certainly is appreciated. I just think, you know, we talk about the the accountability. I, I think I've seen it represented best from my dad since I've been a little kid, you know, always taking that extreme ownership on whatever it is that you're responsible for. And he's been in a leadership role. And I think you always want to make sure that you're doing things that uh, if you are, you know, trying to ask certain people that you're working with to do a certain thing and you're not demonstrating that yourself, then I think it becomes hypocritical and it falls on deaf ears. And we talk about it all the time with our with our players and really our organization and it's a coaching staff belief that we have as being accountable, uh, everybody making sure that they're doing the best that they can within the framework of their role and not being afraid to look inwardly before you, you know, you know, as far as trying to find a result of, of doing everything, you know, collectively and everybody pushing in the same direction. So it's something that we believe in here organizationally, and, and I've seen it best personified by a lot of our coaches, by a lot of great coaches I've been around, and then, you know, since I've been a little kid from my dad. 
to me, that's the only way to win. Everybody yeah. follows the same rules no matter who you are. Yeah, and, and that's something that's powerful, especially, you know, when you talk about from a player standpoint, DeMarco, when, you know, and I've heard Greg Popovich say this, and this has always really resonated with me, when you had guys like Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker that could be coached and be receptive to it, you know, John Wooden with his guys, you know, that he coached as well, uh, then everybody kind of falls in alignment. And when your best players and, and some of your guys that are really productive or they're veteran-laden that have been doing it year in and year out can be coached, can be accountable themselves, well, then that's the norm, and then everybody falls in alignment with that and we feel exactly like that here with with the guys that we've got this segment called audibles your questions from social media directly to the head coach of the rams sean McVay, alex washburn next he says now that we're six games through the season he's curious in your eyes who's been the most improved player on the offensive side of the ball that's a that's a really good question you know i i think when you look at it we've had so many great contributions uh, you know, when you're just looking at it from an upfront standpoint, I think it's hard to argue that Austin Blythe hasn't, you know, continued to take his game to the next level with the way that he's played uh, at that right guard spot, being able to move over to left guard when Roger ended up taking a blow. I think those guys, you know, with Roger, John, and both Whitworth and Rob have continued to play really high-level football up front. I think from a skill player standpoint, uh, you certainly mentioned what Robert Woods has done, taking his game to the next level. I think Cooper's done it as well. And then really, you know, Jared's leadership that he's provided. So in a, in a, in a nutshell, I, I think you've seen a lot of guys take steps from an offensive standpoint on the defensive side of the ball. I think you're seeing great improvement from some guys up front, you know, when you look at it just from the standpoint of, okay, here's Aaron Donald. He's taken his game to the next level. Michael Brockers has continued to push it. Uh, really been impressed with John Franklin getting better and better. I'm, I'm, naming every single guy, but I think it takes away from the credit that these guys deserve as far as being intentional about getting better. Corey Littleton, what an unbelievable job he's done stepping into the Mike linebacker role. And then you see the uh, the, the way that those guys have evolved at the safety position with John Johnson and LaMarcus now having two years under their belt, starting together, getting a feel for this system. So I think our team has continued to improve, and that's a big reason why we're 6-0. and And a lot of those guys are the ones that are playing down in and down out, and, and you feel fortunate to have guys that, that are about that right mindset mentality that approach every single day focused on getting better and regardless of whatever our record is that's what their focus and concentrations on and I think that's why we're in good shape right now. Uh, Bob and Corona with a question going back to the weather in Denver. Did Jared Goff practice during the week throwing with those gloves on his hands? You know, he messed around with it here and there, but, uh, you know, I think that's something that we can use as a learning experience, so uh, whether we want to do that or not. And, and whatever he feels most comfortable with is what is most important to us. And he's the one out there making the plays, making the throws, and whatever he feels best in terms of, you know, the, the ball handling and those different types of things. But what's a little bit different is, you know, how that ball feels in your hand when it's that weather. And in t- unless you can actually be in those exact uh, climate, you know, climate settings, it's always hard to truly mimic and emulate those, especially where we're at. It's going to come up uh, at another point later on in the season, and I think we'll be better equipped to, to say, all right, how do you want to handle it uh, based on the, the feel that you had from this game? And, and if it's the same, great. And if not, then, then we'll take that approach necessary. I think people are still sleeping on his legs. Again, another couple of good scrambles. Absolutely. You look at it another third down, a two-man structure where guys are playing deep to short, two safety looks where everybody's in man coverage, and if you're not respecting Goff's athleticism, he's going to make you pay, and he's done that now two weeks in a row for some huge third down conversions. Uh, Jake has our next question in this Audible segment. Uh, Do you see this year almost as a redshirt season for guys like Micah Kaiser, Sebastian Joseph Day, and or John Kelly, or do you plan on utilizing some of those draft picks a little bit deeper into this season? Yeah, you know, I think really, you know, they've got to be ready to go at all times, and, and, you know, if, if 
they don't have to if they don't play this year then you know you want to continue to develop them but to say that you're going to use guys as a red shirt you know that's not something that we would ever say uh we continue to try to have them take steps necessary that if their number's called they're ready to deliver uh whether that's next week whether that's the following week and that's the approach that our coaches take with those guys but um you know, they've done a nice job developing. They haven't had their opportunities just because of the depth we have on this football team. And hopefully we're continuing to be able to stay healthy. But those guys are getting better in the meantime. And, and we feel confident that if they have to play, they'll be ready. Michael had one I was not expecting. We may need DeMarco's help on this one. Have you ever thought about Jared Goff doing something similar to the Kurt Warner chin strap play that involved a direct snap to Marshall Falk, right? Yes. He's walking away from the play as if anticipation a timeout. Do I right. have it right? Right. That was against the 49ers. Unsnap the chin strap, walk off, and you snap it to... And acted like he was mad at the play call on the sideline. We could do that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that could happen. Suffice uh, it to say, even if you were considering it... He just wrote it, it down. You yeah. wouldn't tell us now. There you go. Yeah, that wouldn't be much week. of a, a good trick play then, would it? <laughs> uh, Brett Sorensen next up. Have you ever been a part of a closer-knit group than the team as it stands right now? From a fan's perspective, these guys all seem to genuinely love each other and fight for each That's other. That's what's special. And, and really, I think that comes from the players' appreciation for each other, the respect and admiration they have, but also you know, just you know, the, the atmosphere and, and the culture that they've created. Um, last year was a special group. This year is is continued to be a special group, um, and every single team kind of has its own identity. and And these guys have done just a great job of of making it a special year so far because of the way that they're connected. And I think that's something you can see better than that you can say. And and for people to be able to see that is something that you just feel you know appreciative to be a part of. You know what these players are doing right now. I'll continue with Chad Bradley, who asks if you've uh, considered having a quality control type assistant, a bit removed from the emotions of the game, to give tips on how the defense is playing versus the offense, game management, etc. I believe you actually have we a do. coach or coaches in that. Yeah, role. oh yeah, yeah, we've got that. You know, we got a guy Jed Fish uh, who works with our offense, but he's also very helpful with regards to some of the game day management, and we, you know, our coaching staff as a whole. John Fossil does a great job with that. Jed's been outstanding, but no, those are things that we definitely utilize and. Uh, to make sure that we're making decisions or, or you know, using the right challenge opportunities. And uh, that's something that's extremely important, and Jed's done a really nice job with that. Thank you, as always, Coach, for taking the questions from our audience. And to those of you who submitted questions, we really appreciate them. Sorry we can't get to each and every one of them every week. But we continue next with the preview of the San Francisco 49ers, a Week 7 showdown at Levi's. More after this on ESPN LA 710. Before we turn our attention to the Niners, I just want to ask, because we previewed that play, the fourth down, by saying, you know, this feels like one that they might not just convert, but they might score on. Yeah. Did it feel that way on your sideline, too? Are we getting I the point so. now with the way you call and the way they execute? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I think the guys, you know, had a lot of confidence and, and a little bit of a change-up from what we had done. They were leaning heavily on the sneak, and the Jets had a little bit of success in some of those short yardage. Obviously, everything, a lot of it was made of the the sneak that we had in a similar type situation and uh you know if you watch Roger Saffold on that play it was unbelievable what he was able to do to get knock off on the first level but then get off get some second level removal on a linebacker Todd pressed it outside in Whitworth got a big block and same with John Sullivan but th- that left side of the line was really impressive on that play I mean this in a positive way that was just stupid you score from nine yards out and he goes in standing up it was awesome that's ridiculous it yeah. was it was ridiculous and it was a great job by those guys you just look at how quickly they get up and get set 
uh, how, you know, it kind of caught those guys off guard. But just the way that our guys are playing up front, the way they're coming off, the way that Todd's pressing, you know, his landmarks and knowing exactly where this play is designed to hit, it's it, it looks like all 11 are on the same page in a lot of those instances. And yesterday, that play specifically was one of them. He has scored in nine consecutive regular season games the last two players with streaks that long or longer, Arian Foster and Marshawn Lynch, both going back to 2011 and ultimately 12, spanning the season break. All right, let's turn our attention to really the next couple of opponents, even though you're only focused on the 49ers, but they play the Packers in Green Bay tonight. Those are the two teams coming up next on your on your schedule. Is that anything more than an interesting quirk at this stage of the season? Sean? Yeah, it really, you know, that that's really about what it is because it's one week at a time for us, and we've got to do a great job getting ready for a tough division opponent. Uh, a lot of respect for Coach Shanahan and, and the you know Coach Sala and, and and Coach Hightower running the special teams. Those guys do an excellent job. All people that I know very closely and have a lot of respect for you know what they can present, their football knowledge, their ability to lead, teach, and motivate, and get guys in good spots. And they got good players, uh, guys that are that are you know they're a mentally tough team. They they've they've shown that they can fight and and they can do it in a variety of different ways. And it's going to be a great challenge for us. Can you learn anything off last year's tape of the last game you played with them? You can just because you. Know, in, in a lot of ways that you know the foundational structure in terms of how they want to operate on offense defense and special teams the core of their the, you know their beliefs and the way that they want to uh, try to run you know systems and operate schematically is very similar uh, but really now that you've got enough inventory you'll always go back and look at those especially division games but we do feel like you know now having six games in the inventory to use for your breakdowns and things like that you get the feel for the identity of this team and some of the structural changes they've made you know the way that they're having to adjust to some of their guys being out uh, and how they want to move forward accordingly and, and uh, you know it'll be a give and take but we'll certainly look back at those games for sure. Most notably at quarterback when you talk about inventory some of that has to do with C.J. Beathard at the controls I imagine right? Yeah it does and you know I think Kyle's always run a system that's predicated on you know uh, the balance and the marriage of the run and the pass he does a great job and a lot of the things that we do you know I was fortunate to work for Kyle in, in Washington and learned a lot under his leadership and guidance and um, you know, Jimmy was a phenomenal player, but I think you see, you know, C.J. Beathard, you know, doing a lot of really good things with his opportunities and can make a lot of plays. Great competitor going back to his college days, and it's going to be a great challenge. Hey, look at the turnover story for them behind the injuries, probably the next most impactful part of their 2018 story. But when it goes against a team like that, I'm always concerned about what it might look like if they do take care of the football, right? Because they've been competitive despite not having the best of the football. I think that's a great point, JB. And and really, you know, the turnover, other than points, the turnovers end up telling that story. But I think it does sometimes have a tendency to you can lose the perspective on this is a really good football team that moves up and down the field. They've had some unfortunate instances. And sometimes those turnovers Turnovers can be just freak type plays that end up flipping the result of a game, and and that's where you appreciate that this is a excuse me this is a very dangerous football team that we certainly won't take lightly or for granted, and we got to have a great week of work and, and get ready to go and and find a way to, to see if we can get a tough division win on the road. I hate to say the word rivalry, I just love the matchup. Yeah, Rams Niners. Anywhere you play the game, it's always going to be fun. Yeah, it, it's it's always fun, those division games, playing against a, a, a great organization that we have a lot of respect for. You know, it's it's a great challenge, but we're going to do the best we can to, to try to have a great week of preparation and hopefully put together a good performance on Sunday and be ready to ride. 
three consecutive road games are rare on any NFL schedule. Doesn't happen that often for good reason. Teams that have swept those three road trips, uh, few and far between. But it seems like there's a professional mannerism about this group that they're used to going on the road now, and it doesn't seem to bother them. They've done a great job, really, since we got here as a coaching staff. I, th- I think our ability to play on the road and, and kind of just gather together and know it's a, it's about our team doing the best we can, and no matter what the circumstances are, the situation that we're facing, uh, they seem to do an excellent job just finding a way. And uh, this week will be no different. We'll keep a similar focus and concentration on on being the best version of ourselves that we can, and hopefully that'll be enough to get the result we want. Weird late audible. What's the first thing you do when you land? First thing I do when I land, uh, I get in a, uh, because usually we get dropped off at the airport, I get in a, uh, a cab, or not a cab, but I get in a, a driver that usually picks myself, and, and Chris Shul, because he lives close, comes with us. If Veronica's made the trip, then she gets in there, because maybe I've uh, had a beverage or so, and <laughs> I don't want to drive, but you go home and then uh, flip on the highlights and maybe have a, a cold beverage there. Nice. Yeah. DeMarco, you know the rules. Next time, you got to submit that on social media for second. Oh, my four. bad. I'm sorry. No, that, yeah. That's all good. good what about question. you? What are you I'm doing? just checking boxes. Same thing. Nice. Right there with you. <laughs> there you go. Just beverages. Yeah. <laughs> More know, than I, one. Yeah, Multiple. I, I, yeah, me, me too, man. Yeah. We're on the same page. <laughs> Sean, always appreciate the conversation on and off the uh, air, and we wish you well this week at San Francisco. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it. All right. Rams All Access coming your way Thursday on ESPN, LA 710.